This is Andrew. And this is Chelsea. Welcome to Hugging and Learning, a podcast where we rewatch very special episodes from the past to see what they have to teach us today. Today, we are going back to our podcast roots. (laughs) (laughs) We're taking another look at Family Matters, and the episode is called Out with the Old. It's season nine, episode one, originally premiered September 19th, 1997. The writers are David W. Ducklin. And Gary Mentier, who you will recognize, David W. Ducklin, who created Punky Brewster, and Gary Mentier, who worked on it. And that's how I found out, Chelsea. Do you fucking know? My eyes are so big right now in anticipation. <laughs> Do you know who plays Maxine on Family Matters? Who? Cherry Johnson of Cherry Lifesaver fame. Of course she does. Yeah. That's why she looks so familiar. Exactly. I <gasps> I yelled in my apartment when I found this out. Of I screamed aloud and scared my cats. Yes. Sorry you scared your cats. That's okay. No, that's great. They, know what they, they knew what they were getting into. <laughs> also, <laughs> you can up. watch this episode of Family Matters and the rest of them on Hulu. So let's take a second here. We had a uh, listener request to go over writing credit stuff. Yes. We covered this in the first season, but I admit I also sometimes get confused when you look at an episode of TV and there are six names attached to it and you're like, wait a minute, who was responsible (laughs) for what? Who wrote the goddamn thing? (laughs) Yeah, it gets a little complicated uh, first and foremost because there's an ampersand Mm -hmm. or there's an A-N-D and. And that's pretty easy to figure out. So if you and your writing partner are writing the script. Yeah. You're considered one writer. Correct. So when you are credited as a writing partnership or you know one writer, that's an ampersand. Mm-hmm. So if you see an ampersand between two names, it means they work together on whatever you're watching. Yes. If that writing partner, that team writes something and then somebody else comes in and does a rewrite or adds or also deserves a writing credit, they are then and so-and-so. Right. Writers who do not work together are separated by an A-N-D. We we should also go over what these different things mean. So written by, created by, developed by. This is all good stuff because I keep noticing we have created by Mm -hmm. and written by and screenplay by and screen story by. Those are all various ways of, you know, pointing out who did what. The most often you'll see teleplay. A teleplay is when you write uh, individual scenes and dialogue and also some camera setups as well. It's just a more, but you don't have to write the entire thing. Mm-hmm. It's you've contributed in this way. Story by, w- w- the WGA defines the term story as distinct from teleplay and consisting of a basic narrative, idea, theme, or outline, which indicates character development and action. So that can be an outline. It can be like, hey, I think this character should do this, or Mm -hmm. here's this or that. But it's not a script. Or what if we had a show about a family that was like this? Here, someone else go actually write that, but it was my idea. Exactly. And uh, created by, when you see that, is just they created the show. Mm -hmm. Now, here's where it all makes sense. So you have story by, Mm -hmm. teleplay by, written by, created by. Mm -hmm. If Anyone does one of the story by things or one of the teleplay things or one of the television story things, Mm -hmm. then you credit them just for what they've done. However, if somebody writes the story and the teleplay, they're a writer. Yes. They're considered a writer on the show. Or if you sit down and you write the whole goddamn thing, you're the writer. But if you do two of the things, the story by, uh, teleplay by, television story by, those little miscellaneous things you see, if a writer does two of those, they're considered a quote-unquote writer on that episode. It's very complicated. It is. Thank it, goodness we have the, the WGA website to elucidate all of this for us. Yeah, and there's a bunch more like narration by, special material right. by, that just goes on and on. But the main things you need to remember is a writer is somebody who wrote the thing or did the story and another thing. Yeah. And if it's a movie 
or a limited series, it might say based on a story by, which yes. could be a person wrote an article or a book yeah. or something that wasn't this form, but mm-hmm. it's it was their original idea in a different form, and then they get credited as well. Yeah, and if you have some sort of uh, adaptation, like Stephen King, Castle Rock, mm-hmm. it'll say based on... You know, such and such by Stephen King. Yeah. And then there'll be a developed by credit often. Right. Which is when somebody gets the idea and then they're like, let's gussy this up a little bit. Yeah. And then usually it's the original story writer and the thing. Right. It just so it's very, on. it's very complicated. For instance, on this episode of Family Matters, we have two developed by, two created by, and two written by names, all men, in case you're wondering. Nobody um, was. Nobody but. was, because it's 1997 <laughs> and we just assumed. But before we get into the actual episode, let's talk about this snack that I have found for us. I do. So what I have found for us today is a new thing hmm. called Goldfish Epic Crunch. Epic Crunch? Yes. Uh, according to the Pepperidge Farm website, these are a new exciting goldfish experience Bigger in size than regular goldfish, these baked tortilla snacks have bold flavor and big crunch. Yes, these are goldfish tortilla snacks. I have both ranch and honey barbecue flavors here for us to you try. You can't see this, but Miles is Miles Vanna is, Whiting the yeah, shit out of these snacks really right now. He's going to town like a person who doesn't understand how podcasts <laughs> oh, he's work. he's petting one of them. <laughs> this is um, the first ad copy that I've heard in a long time that sounds like it might as well have been written by Don Draper <laughs> while he's crying about growing up in a whorehouse. Right, he's like, drinking. I wish I'd had an epic experience, but all I had was whores and Hershey bars. Epic crunch. Epic crunch. Now in ranch and honey barbecue. <laughs> Let's go ahead and try these out and see if they're as good as the sad copy. with you. I had one of the honey barbecue ones and it did kind of feel like it punched me in the mouth with flavor. The texture is kind of weird, right? Texture is super weird. It's like, it's not a goldfish. It's not a chip. It's not particularly pleasant. Mm-mm. <laughs> oh, oh, no, listener, make no mistake. It is not pleasant. It's good. I mean, it's fine. and It's, it's fine. Here's the thing. It's going to keep you from eating like five at a go because mm-hmm. you got to work. Yeah, yeah, work. But I <laughs> feel like work on these if given a choice, I'd rather have either regular goldfish yeah. or chips. Yeah, you know what they 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 reminded me of? It's those Frito things that are sort of spirally. Oh yeah. And in mm-hmm. that the mm-hmm. the the texture and like the difficulty and kind of make your teeth stick together a little yeah. bit. And like I'm like ten of these, I'm gonna be like, I need to take a break. And rest my jaw. Rest my jaw, exactly. I I want to know and will never look up uh, <laughs> if they if there's some qualifier in the ingredients or the shape or the texture or something else ingredients that make them have to call it a tortilla. It says made with smiles and whole grain yellow corn flour. Here's the thing. Here's my new idea, by the way. Go for uh, it. Because we have all the time. <laughs> world is I'm going to start making tortillas that are ranch flavored and honey barbecue flavored and you just have yourself a delightful burrito. Yeah, that sounds good. I mean, they already have spinach flavored tortillas, which I find to be very good. That's and a, like yeah. a roasted uh, a sun-dried tomato flavored tortilla. Yeah, I'm talking non-punishment flavors. <laughs> <laughs> Chelsea, let's stop talking about these goddamn snacks. Yeah, we've given them their due. Let's talk about a goddamn episode of television. Chelsea, I have a question for you to start us off. Did you happen to notice, while you were watching this, I'm assuming on Hulu, Yep. did you notice what the name of the episode that came after this was? I did not. The episode after this, episode two of season nine, is called They Shoot Ducks, Don't They? Oh, no! Do we have to fucking start a counter (laughs) on how many times these old goddamn writers are like, hey, you know what these kids are like? They Uh, shoot horses, don't they? They shoot horses, don't they joke? Because I'm pretty sure we're up to like three now. Yeah. And that's three too many. a lot. It really does. And it is not appropriate. No. Once again, if you haven't listened to the show ever. Not a fun movie. It's not fun at all. I I don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't get it. 
Anyway, so anyway. this Family Matters, we all know this show. Yeah, just a quick refresher. This is our most covered show on Hugging and Learning, because this is our fourth Family Matters episode, Two Stevels. Oh, you're right. And uh, brains in his butt fell off a roof. Yeah, absolutely. Stevel was so scary, I blocked them out. <laughs> so this is, we haven't, this is the fourth time we've covered this. Um, yeah, it felt like an old, old friend. Yeah. <laughs> like an old, pretty um, friend. Family Matters ran for nine seasons, 215 episodes from 1989 to 1998. It was on ABC for the first seven seasons and then CBS for the last two seasons. It is about a middle-class black family in Chicago, and they're now, by season nine, live-in neighbor, mm. Steve Urkel, is living in the attic by this point. I have so many fucking questions. So he was their neighbor, but now he lives at the house. Yeah. Also... Also, holy shit, when we get deeper into this, there are so many wrinkles, so many science fiction wrinkles that have occurred by this point in season nine. It's almost... I had to do some research just to understand what I was watching. I thought that Hulu had fucked up <laughs> and like left out an entire act. I was like, wait, what? What? <laughs> yeah. Wait, we'll so, get there. All right. So yeah. let's start in the ordinary world. Please. The Who world we-, we have known. Oh my God. The ordinary world has sci-fi <laughs> elements. It's so sci-fi by this point. <laughs> well, I, instead of setting it all up, let's just cover the things as we get to them. Yeah, absolutely. So, so. The very second sentence of the episode is Eddie Winslow telling his sister, Laura, I'm not going out with any of your skanky friends. And Perfect. I was like, yep, that's the thing we used to say. We, we um, did. <laughs> used to be just like a fun thing. Oh, there are a lot of like, I have some desperate I have some oh, quotes yes, in this where I'm yes. like, oh, remember this thing that we <laughs> right. said? We don't say that anymore. Oh, hey, I'm um, referring to a car as a hoopty now. <laughs> also good to, good to remind our uh, listeners Jaleel White is far too good looking by this point yeah. to be trying to still pull off this whole Steve Let me ask you murdery. this ahead of time. Didn't it seem like he was really going for it? Like, <laughs> well, he was like amping up the murdery. To, he has to. to differentiate himself at this point from all of the various other iterations that, yeah. of character. He's, he's playing the same actor as playing in this episode yeah. three different characters. Sure. So, so and, the call you know, to adventure is immediate. Lara's sorority is having a kiss auction for charity. Boy, oh boy. At least it's not cheerleading uniforms this time, Saved by the Bell. It's for charity. Yeah. And it's not a date auction. It's a literally a auction. dude comes out, a woman gives money to charity, and kisses him, and then it's over. And that's that. In front of everybody. And so, then it's over, and she wants her brother Eddie to volunteer to weird. be one of the So dudes. much weird stuff here. First things first, if you haven't uh, heard it, we did an episode of Saved by the Bell, which I believe was called The Date Auction. Yeah, something terrible. And it was problematic at best. Oh. Uh. It was, go back and check that out to hear about date auctions. That's the thing. When I watched this, I was like, oh, it's a date auction. It's not. It's a kiss auction. Chelsea, kiss auction. which one's worse? I don't know. This is a real uh, conundrum that I had as well. In one way, a kiss auction is over so quickly. It's over fast. And then you're not like uh, going off to a strange location with a person that you potentially yeah. don't know. Who bought you. Who bought you. The fact that it happens and it's like over and done in five seconds in, in, front, of pub- in front of people seems yeah. to make it better. The fact that it's for charity seems to make it better. Oh, they really like punch that. They're like, this is for a children's hospital. Many times. Yeah. In case you're creeped out, remember this is for a children's hospital. Everything's fine. We've justified it. But then there is also like this physical contact that's mm. not necessarily an expectation of a date auction. If you buy a date just to go to yeah. dance or something, you don't like, have to kiss them. I would say that the ex- the expectation of going on a date is having a good time. If something goes well, then yeah, maybe you have an actual date right. later. You're that being you escorted somewhere. For. Sure. Yeah, there's not the demand for physical intimacy. The this, way, is just, this is just straight up like you're going to kiss whoever bids the most money for you. It doesn't matter if they are. Spoiler alert, your stalker that has showed up at sure. this auction. Yeah, that's, that's one of the problematic things. I'm going to say right now that for me, the kiss auction feels like much more of a nightmare mm-hmm. than the date auction. Date auction, it'd be like, they're both horrible. Yeah, they're terrible in their own distinct ways. But at least date, it's like, hey, I'm just going to hang out with a person. Yeah. So anyway, this kiss auction is happening, and Laura comes in, and she wants her brother Eddie to be in it. He immediately becomes totally insufferable about this, uh, but but he agrees. No, he, he becomes creepy as fuck about this, <laughs> because she's like, hey, would you like to be it? And he's like, Eddie... He's immediately flattered and tells Laura that she now must admit 
that this means that Laura thinks that Eddie is hot. Yeah. Weird. It's not quite that cut and dried. It's like, because he's like, you got to admit I'm in the hot category. Yeah. He never says, you think I'm hot in that weird incest no, way. No, 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 no. But it's more, I think it's more along the lines of like, you grow up with your brother and sister and I, I mean, this was not my, my experience, but I think some people will be like, you're stupid, you're ugly, you're a dum-dum, you're a jerk. And then he's like, you have to say nice things about me. Now you have to admit. I hope so. You know? Because I've never once asked my sister, hey, <laughs> how am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> Would you auction a kiss off for me? You got notes or? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's just do a quick once over. Eddie agrees to do it, and and Steve Urkel is also in the room. Oh, and Laura mentions that Stefan Urkel is going to be in the date auction as well. Yeah. Pin in that for a moment. Yeah. And then Urkel tries to volunteer. He's like, I'm right here. I'll do it. I'll do it. She totally ignores him. He says a line that I... <laughs> he says, I know I'm here. I recognize my own voice. That's pretty good. And I was like, that's almost... That's almost like a French film, like black and white. <laughs> it's a bit Twilight Like someone story. staring into the mirror being like, I know I'm here. Oh. I recognize my own voice. It's like a single tear rolls down I like that. their cheek. They All right. shoot kiss auctions, don't they? <laughs> they should. Um, <laughs> short moment of background. Mm. I had to look this up because... Stefan Arkell used to be Steve Urkel's alter ego. Like a Jekyll he and would, Hyde thing. Yes. He would drink some cool juice. Oh, I think no. that's actually what it's called. Ugh. And then he would turn into Stefan Arkell, who was like smooth and suave and not nerdy, but also narcissistic and mean. Yeah. So then it was this dichotomy of like Steve, no one wants to date him because he's not sexy, but he's so nice and careful and he's he like takes care of people. Yeah. And it's Stefan the nutty is professor. Hot, it's but, the nutty yeah. professor straight up. So I was like, how can Stefan be in the date auction? Also curious. So I looked it up on the Family Matters wiki, which of course exists. Sure. Is it Urkel is it Urkelpedia? <laughs> it should be. They really God missed an opportunity there. The background here is Stefan first appeared as an alter ego in season five, but by this point in season nine, he is a permanent addition to the cast with his own will and volition, and he's dating Laura. Okay. Because what happened was, <laughs> in in the seventh season finale, Steve creates a cloning machine. He clones himself... And Laura proposes that one of the Steves be turned into Stefan permanently. And thereafter, she was able to pursue a full-time romantic relationship with Stefan. So in this episode, also, Steve and Stefan meet for the first time. So as of the end of season seven, Stefan is a permanent clone alter ego moving through the world of family matters, dating Laura. Steve Urkel still Urkeling around but they are separate entities. I'm physically tired. <laughs> They're doing jazz storytelling. Yeah, They're fucking so around. God. Jazz character development. <laughs> so here we are, the very first episode of season nine. These two people exist separate from each other. You know, yeah, clones. and they're both going to be another spoiler in the date auction because yeah. even though Lauren doesn't ask him, Steve is Steve Urkel is trying to volunteer and eventually will, of course, end up in the thing. So, so that's the that's the cold open. We don't have a we don't have a credit scene here anymore. Nope, we're just like you get it. Mm-mm. You know, that, you that are. might as well be it. It might as well be Family Matters. Quote, you get it. You got it. Quote. Yeah, you know where you are. So we're right into Act One. Yeah, in the special world. So <laughs> now we got we don't have a C storyline here. We have a B, an uh, A, and a B. Yeah, and so the B storyline is Harriet, the mother of the family, comes home and tells her husband, Carl, who's a police officer, that she got a promotion Uh at her job. And at first he's very excited. They're dancing around. And then she reveals she's also getting a raise and will thus be making more money than he does. And he gets so troubled that he has to leave the room. Um, I'm upset at you that uh, we skipped right over the the jump jump roping (laughs) that kicks off this episode I'm not mad I'm just disappointed I really just feel like they they were pandering what was that well I think it was to make us feel like Oh, right, Carl. We love Carl because he's going to be a huge dick for the rest of this episode. Oh, yeah, yeah, Maybe that's it. You and they were like, right. oh, you remember Carl? Don't you love Carl? And they were probably like, Reginald Vell Johnson, we need something to endear you. And he's like, well, I do this jump rope routine. <laughs> and they're like, anything else? And he's like, that is the that's only it. thing that I do. It's the whole thing. And they're like, I guess we'll shoot this. <laughs> and they did. The, the audience, audience loved it. Yeah, audience audience went berserk. Once again, uh, I'm going to throw this one out there. Family Matters audience. And not the most discerning comedy tastemakers in the world. At this point, they are just Urkel drunk. And they will laugh at anything that anyone does 
in his orbit. Anything that mentions him, anytime he comes on stage, they are slap happy. I don't know if you guys know Andy Grigg, but I'd like to quote him. <laughs> mm-hmm. The Family Matters audience would laugh off the glint of a piece of poo. He yeah. did say that I once. did say that. Yeah. He yeah. did say that. It was good. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we're bringing that back of all the things Andy's ever said. Go online now to find our t-shirt that says <laughs> laughing at a glint on a piece of poop. Glinty poo. A return of the glinty poo. That's the, that's the whole thing. Harriet's going to make more money. Carl is obviously upset about this and leaves the room. Yeah. You know how much she's making, by the way? Um, he's a Chicago cop in the late 90s. I'm not saying there's, there's specific salaries, but she says she's going to be making $6,000 more a year, which is a $10,000 raise in today's money. Yeah. Which means an extra like 800 bucks a month. Which is not insignificant, especially, but it's not like she suddenly doubled her salary either. That's you just, know? Just, but I'm just saying like 800 extra dollars a month. And Carl is like, but I'm upset. Yeah. We've watched a lot of unrelatable shit, but this is Holy the most shit. Re- the least most... relatable bullshit in the world. Oh my God. It's so obvious you're not crippled with student debt. Oh yeah. It's, but don't so worry, obvious. people. It'll be more insulting before yeah. it gets less insulting. Okay. So the next thing that happens is we got Steve and Laura making some sort of sandwiches. Oh, I know what sandwiches they are. Peanut butter and banana, but also crunchy somehow. Well, Chelsea, it turns out that they are rice cakes with peanut butter and bananas on them. I know that because it's dissected in front of my eyes here at a moment when Steve fucking open mouth uh, oh chews God, it's so them. Gross. It's fucking All the right. worst. Ugh. This this episode is bonker balls. Like, <laughs> like, not so. Put it out there. Like, There's so on a, much happening. On a scale from, <laughs> from uh, Family Ties to He-Man She-Ra Christmas special. Definitely. It's really in He-Man territory. It's real close to Eternia is all I'm saying. God, okay. So the next thing that happens, I want to go through this carefully because it sets up <laughs> the rest of the episode and it is so insane yeah. that it, the rest of the episode doesn't make sense without it and barely makes sense with it. Mm-hmm. So Steve comes at Laura mm. and he's like, comes at her. Yeah. Right, he's like, well, he, he point blank says, you didn't ask me to be in the date auction yes. when you asked Eddie and I wanted to be, and you ignored me. And at first I was devastated and that really hurt my feelings. And then I realized you actually ignored me and didn't ask me to be in the date auction because you were trying to spare my feelings. And she says, yeah, I was afraid you would get up there and no one would bid on you and mm. you would be humiliated. And he's like, yeah, you're probably yeah, right. Yeah, you're probably right. Okay, so this is all very self-aware and very blunt. They're being very open with each other. Great, yes. great, great. Yeah. But then Steve says, I want to be in the date auction because maybe no one will bid on me because I've always been very comfortable with myself. And however, now I think... If I were publicly humiliated, that might make me make improvements. So I would like to be in the auction so I can potentially be humiliated because I feel like I'm too comfortable with myself and I need to work on myself. The the line right after that is, I need to stop being just being me. I need to be better. Yeah. You might have blocked that out because he is open mouth chewing yeah, yeah, yeah. a snack and like crumbs and peanut butter are falling out of his open yeah. maw. I don't know. <laughs> the maw is the exact word. Ah. I'm like, I don't. And I wrote, I don't know that not getting bit on is going to help you with your hygiene and manners. Hey, I know what you can start but with, jerk. It's, but it's like, I, I don't, you're, you're. You're too comfortable with yourself? Yeah, you need to be humiliated so that you'll be like, wait a second, I have a problem. But you already know that you have a problem. Hence, you want to be humiliated so you can choose. It doesn't make any sense. Also, if the whole point is to get him into the date auction... Because spoiler, more spoilers, because I feel like this thing is not linearly told. <laughs> it's so spoiled. circular. It's spoiled. It's spoiled. He, start, he makes some dumb improvements, but then they don't last till next episode. Oh. So the whole point is just to get him up on stage for the date auction. Why not have him just be like, Laura, I'm very comfortable with who I am. It's for charity. If no one bids on me, that's fine. But I'm okay. Let me get up there. Maybe someone will bid. You can make some money. I'm here. I'm willing. You know, like... Let it be that and not this weird, like, I'm going to improve, I gotta improve myself. myself if then episode two, all of that's gone. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It's barely in this episode. There's just one insulting scene about it. We'll get right. there. So, my God, we're on scene three. Oh my God. Anyway, that's the end of it. Steve is now in the date auction and he's going to try to make some improvements before he gets there. All right. Next scene. Harriet 
tries to drink champagne and get romantic with Carl. And she's like, let's celebrate my promotion. Yeah. Da, da, da. Let's have a whole bottle of champagne that has a cork. Yeah. And you then let's get, go fuck. Oh, suburban she, hell. Yeah. And then he straight up says, you're emasculating me. Yeah. You're emasculating me. And I'm again like, oh, the whole family's in therapy. Everyone's very articulate about what's going on. <laughs> They've got all the vocabulary. They have the vocabulary, but not the, the wisdom. Right. And he <laughs> says, the person who makes the most money wears the pants and the family. And I'm just like, I'm sorry, dude. It's all going to your bank account. Yeah. I guess in a world of crippling student debt and predatory loans and never being able to afford the life your parents had, someone of my generation just does not get this. But also I'm a woman. Andy, if you were dating or married to someone who was like, I got a promotion, I'm going to make more than you. What do you think my dating goals are? (laughs) (laughs) I am desperately trying to find somebody who makes more than me. (laughs) Two of me can't support Those cats are not going to feed themselves. No! Please, somebody rich, date me. I have cats. I'm tall. Can you reach things on shelves? You can reach everything. Everything. It's so, it's, you're very I'll put all of your jars of money away real nice for you. (laughs) No, this is so fucking ridiculous. It's so, and he's, he's like, I'm the captain of the ship. You're the swabby. This is, and she's just like, what are you talking about? And then she says, you can sleep on the couch. And the crowd goes, woo woo. So we're obviously supposed to be on her side. But it's kind of like, really, Carl? Really? It's just, it's. You're raising three kids and 3J and an Urkel. Yeah. Your mother's disappeared, but still, I assume you're paying for her lifestyle somewhere. I know we haven't been struggling or anything like that, but now we have an extra $800 a month to just, you know, light on fire if you want to. (laughs) Mm-mm. Maybe cool out, man. It's not okay. So that's the end of Act One. That's the end of Act One. Um, it's it. So this was 1997. This episode came out in 1980. Only 13% of married women earn more than their husbands, but by 2000, that figure had almost doubled, rising to 25%. So 1997, let's say around a fourth of the women in the country are making more. Married women are making more yeah. than their husbands. By 2017, 28% of women made more money than their husbands. However, there are widely reported studies that link female breadwinners with negative marital consequences. Women who make more money than their male partners, even just $5,000 more a year, and Harriet's going to make $6,000 more a year, increase the likelihood that they'll get divorced. Well, here's the thing. I hate that study because it it is saying if a woman makes more money, then divorce happens. No, if a man is insecure about his masculinity <laughs> so much so that he can actually put a price tag on it, then maybe that dude's going to get divorced. And maybe that's just the tip of the iceberg and problems. Yes. Also, just as we've pointed out instinctively, the Pew Research Center backed up in 2017 the fact that the higher up the socioeconomic ladder you are, the more emphasis you put on the man being the breadwinner. Shocking. And poorer families are just like, that is not crucial. Yeah. Both people are supposed to be providing whatever money we can get to come in is awesome. So yeah, uh, these people are horribly misguided. It must be nice. Uh, yeah, it must be nice to have so much money that you can get upset about it. Act two starts out with the most sensitive scene I've ever seen in my whole life at a speech therapy oh class. Oh my God. Steve is in speech therapy. Uh-huh. He shows up late. He brings with him a box of tissues in a plastic holder, mm. a small fan, a platter of cheese, cheese, pencils, a pencil sharpener, a beaded cushion for his seat. <laughs> He's also late and everyone immediately hates him. Yeah. Also in the class, a lisper who seems to be aggressively seeking out S words to hilarious, say. Hilarious. A speak spitter who spits all over Steve. Also stutters. Um, I mean, there's a there's a stutter in his language as well. Yep. I think they're just like, no. A woman who speaks too quickly and a woman with a gorgeous two-pack-a-day Kathleen Turner deep voice who I thinks her voice is too. too deep. I was like, She's it's too like, deep unless you're superstar Kathleen Turner. Then or Elizabeth great. Holmes. How about that? Don't Did get attached you? to any of these people. You'll never see them again. Did they you? each get one line, then the scene is over, and we'll never see them again. Absolutely. But the thing Steve wants to do is lower his voice. And he's like, I'd love that voice. And she's like, you might as well take it. It's like, I'm like, right, maybe Steve, I think it might be adenoids in your case you might just want to get your your adenoids out maybe because it's more about nasal blockage really yeah uh, spoiler alert he doesn't do well <laughs> right i'm sorry everybody i'm sorry <laughs> i know you thought steve was gonna ace this let's let's pause to let everybody gather their socks yeah, yeah, that yeah. just got knocked off <laughs> 
So we go to the world famous Sizzle Club. Cut next. to the Sizzle Club for the sizzle date <laughs> for the date auction. Here's the gender breakdown. There are a bunch of dudes backstage waiting to be auctioned off. Yep. There are about three dudes on stage that are a jazz band. They're a band. Yeah. They are clearly an actual band and not actors. There is an audience full of exclusively women. Yep. Very diverse. Mm. There's Laura on stage emceeing this entire thing, mm. and there is the world's cutest beagle puppy Boy. sitting in the front row on the lap of a woman, and I just kept being like, why is there... They kept sh- panning the crowd. The beagle will come into play later. Yeah, I was He's like, not a beagle MacGuffin. I wrote it down. I'm like, and there's a dog. But it is the cutest... I took a bunch of screen caps of my laptop with this beagle, because it's... <laughs> So cute. That's fair. I wrote down. It falls um, asleep at one point. It's oh, it so does? cute. I didn't pay enough attention. I was blinded by how much is going on in the set design here. Oh, Lord. It, the word uh, overproduced comes to mind. <laughs> There's a neon sign. There are flashing lights in the background. Oh, they've got to have the scenery so everyone can chew on it. I mean, then again, Chelsea, as we well know, the Sizzle Club is the most exclusive club in Chicago. It truly is. How many times did you go to the Sizzle Club? I feel like I've been there at least a hundred times. It's well, right sure. there on Michigan Avenue. Mm-hmm, absolutely. In the heart of everything. Great karaoke there on Wednesdays. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's right next to the Hancock Building. It's between the Hancock Building and the Sears Tower, which are right next to each which other. Which are right next to each other. <laughs> sure, the Wrigley Building's across the street. You can access it through its under, uh, it's, its canal entrance. You can Oh, take sure. the river right into the bottom of the Sizzle Club. Fun fact, all the Basco bridges lead to <laughs> the Sizzle Club. <laughs> oh, heavens. All right. So uh, we're, we're now we're time. in this date auction. We're, we we join in media rests. They've already raised $900, and, and women are just coming up right on stage and making out with the dude. And this is where and Laura says uh, all the money's going to the children's hospital. Yeah. And she tries to say more, but then a lady in the audience yells, Bring out the hunks. Oh, it's our friend Cherry. Is it? It's our friend Cherry. Man, I can I can I talk about how much I fucking hate the word <laughs> hunks? I feel like I mentioned it every time. But it's disgusting. It's a horrible word. What hunk what is it supposed to mean like a hunk of meat or something? Like it's just a hunky dot a guy who did in like um a happy days. Hunk, You're the one that said time. beset by hunks when we did our last uh I tried to Full House episode. I'm trying to make it okay. Oh, you're reclaiming? <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> hunks. That and the term buns. You can you can keep it. We'll talk more about it <laughs> you later. Can keep your hunky buns. <laughs> hunky buns. <laughs> 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 Keep buns. Oh hey, have you heard of that new? <laughs> hey, you heard of that new Ben and Jerry's flavor hunky buns? It's like, it's like Jill and accounting love. It. It's so. It's like I poured water on you. It's like you're oh. short, short circuiting. <laughs> this is perfect. I have a whole thing later on, and it's, you all are playing right into it. I'm okay. Amazed. Okay. So yeah, the plot. Stefan comes out. Stefan, remember, is Steve's permanent clone. But cool. Did you forget people? It's fine. Dating Laura, which she makes very clear 99 times for the other women in the audience. This is my man. This is my boyfriend. We've, you know, whatever. He's here to do this, and I'm going to go ahead and open and close the bidding at $50. Yeah, that's. What a hypocrite. Yeah, what a piece of shit. You asked him to do this. Yeah. He didn't have to come out here. What are you doing? And the reason you asked him to do it is because you knew all the girls want to kiss him. He would raise a bunch of money. Why not just donate $50 to the charity and not have him come here if you're not going to let people bid on him? She asked your mom for $800 fucking dollars and just tribute (laughs) that. Also, he's wearing a puffy shirt and a vest, so. It's amazing that these girls aren't swarming him like a bunch of horny bees. All of the outfits that the men are wearing, with the exception of Steve, in this date auction are like amazing. It's amazing. This is the first guy we see who doesn't even get a name. That's just like making out with a woman when we cut to this scene is in a silk, like a billowy black silk shirt Mm -hmm. tucked into pants. Is it blouse, Chelsea? It's blousey. It's very blousey. So Stefan comes out and Laura tries to open and close the bidding at $50, but the audience is not having her bullshit Mm -hmm. and they just start bidding in spite of her and get up to $150. And it's fucking one kiss, Laura. You organized this. You knew what would happen, but she gets all pissy anyway. This girl comes up on stage and uh, kisses You mean Stephane. some Miss Thing comes up on stage? <laughs> yes. Uh, everybody's a Miss Thing. Everybody's this. a Miss Thing. So th- sh- they make out for a hot second, and then she's like, I'm going to get more money, and she runs off stage. Uh, Eddie's up next. He yeah. comes out in 
An Star amazing, Trek villains an amazing Star Trek villains monochrome outfit. It's that, awful. With a collar that looks like it's a, like a dog collar. Like it's very yeah. tight around his oh, neck. super tight collar. Um, that's the only thing about this that's tight. <laughs> Everything, else, Everything else is very, very loose. It was the 90s. The circus tent style was <laughs> oh really in gosh. fashion. So he comes out and his girlfriend Greta, by contrast to Lara, is mm. totally cool with him being the auction. Like takes a moment to take a, make a take a shot at it, make a joke. Mm. And then she starts the bidding at $30 and it goes back and forth with one other girl up to $75. And then Lord, hold the fucking phone. Myrtle Urkel shows up dressed like a day player from an unreleased Austin Powers movie. I wrote here that she's serving us some Barbarella 70s fembot fabulousness. Yep. So Myrtle Urkel, in case you don't know, which why would you? First appeared in season two. She is a cousin of Steve Urkel. She is also played by Jaleel White uh-huh. in drag. Hilarious. She fell in love with Eddie at first sight. He disliked her, but then her rich father paid him to date her. So this auction is really just par for the course for them. He's been paid to date her before. However, she stalks him. What a sordid relationship. Yeah, by season nine... She's like fully stalking him. And you recognize her accent being oh, yeah. spot on deep south. Yes, she's also from the south. She says she's from Biloxi. So, of course, she's an idiot because why not? You yeah. know, all people who have southern yeah. accents are idiots. You've been to the south. Yeah. Myrtle just goes straight to 5K. Like it was at 75 and she pulls out a wad of cash and is like, I bid $5,000. Which is $9,000 in today's money. Props could have gotten him for a cool thow, I think. She didn't need to go all the what way up there. What was it at? A hundred and... 75. 76. You probably yeah. could have gotten 76, <laughs> dummy. And Laura goes, sold immediately. And I wrote, this woman is your brother's stalker. Yeah, maybe be like, hey. Date auctions bring out the worst in everyone. Once again, we have <laughs> we fully concluded, when you auction off human beings, everyone comes out worse for it. You cannot auction affection without auctioning human beings. It's true. Um, uh, the puppy comes into play at this yeah. moment. Because Eddie, Myrtle goes up on stage to kiss Eddie. And she closes her eyes. And Eddie grabs the puppy from the front row and makes the puppy lick her lips. And I, what is that Chekhovian rule? You put a puppy oh, in the first Chekhov's act, puppy. it needs to lick someone by act three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the script does adhere to the Chekhovian puppy principle quite neatly. But then Myrtle hands Laura more money and chases Eddie off stage for round two, trying to get a second kiss. What did we do here? Hmm. Did we advance this story at all? What we did was we gave Jaleel White a chance to play three different characters in the same episode. Mm -hmm. The whole point of what this is leading to is the cliffhanger at the the end of this episode, which which will power most of season nine for Laura. We're not there yet. Hey, wait, didn't this get canceled for the next season? What? Okay, so we head back to the to the uh, the manse, uh, the Winslow manse. Yeah, Carl has taken a job moonlighting as a concert parking guy. That's right, everyone. In 1997, people got a second job to prove a sexist point to somebody. <laughs> right, not uh, not because they needed the income, just because if he does this part-time concert parking moonlighting job, he will make twenty-three dollars more a year. Than Harriet does. Oh, you know what would be really funny? If Carl gets a second job. Hilarious. Just so he can make $23 or more, more a year really than his wife. stick it to his wife. And he sings Tom Jones, because it's a Tom Jones concert he's yeah. helping out with. And he sings Carlton's song. All of the Tom oh. Jones songs in the world. And he picks Carlton's song to sing. And Ooh. I was like, no, that Weird. song does not belong to you. Weird theory. What if... Carl uh, and Carlton, Carlton grows up <laughs> and he's like, I need to get away from my Bel Air roots. He moves to Chicago, becomes a cop. And he's like, just call me Carl. Mm. Get past all of those donuts and that jump rope. I've got mm. some stuff to do. <laughs> I got some stuff to work out. <laughs> Harriet's basically like, boy, bye. She's like, I'm going to divorce you then, She's I guess. like, yeah, I'm getting off this ship. If you have to be the captain so badly, you can drop me off <laughs> she, the next port. She really belabors the ship metaphor, but uh, she, she makes the point. She's my favorite line. Go ahead. Because the music swells and it gets yeah. super poignant all of a sudden. It's, yeah, the music is straight up swollen. Yeah. And she's like, we're teammates. Nobody's captain. Nobody's swabby. That sentence makes my brain hurt. <laughs> We're first mates. I, first and I mates. did. I was like, you can't have two first mates on a ship yeah, and no it's, captain. It's That's really a important. Really terrible nautical um, idea. Yeah, you know the the Titanic went down. I think they only had one captain. So it's true. I mean, the fact that it's 1997 in this episode and they can 
they can actually put this plot in there is, is amazing to me. Like the fact that it's not enough of a throwback that it's like, well, after the eighties, we got over this. No, right. 97. And this is still plausible. And he's straight up like, you're emasculating me. Yeah. Like it'd be different if he vaguely was like, I don't know why this bothers me so much. How about that? I don't, I don't know. I thought it should be fine, but I'm, I just feel weird about it. And no, he's straight up like, I'm supposed to be in charge. Mm. You're going to be trying to wear the pants. Da 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 da. And I want to be like, Carl, everybody in this family, including Steve Burkle, who's not even your blood relative, runs roughshod over you all the time. Yeah, buddy. You have no authority in this house. You're going to have to, you're going to fight your mas- masculinity somewhere else. You got almost beat to death by a fucking puppet. So. How about that? And he's going to, it's going to happen again. It's going to happen again. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't it's matter how, again, doesn't Carl. matter how much you make. So then they make up and, oh, they hug and mm. the crowd goes on and the music swells. Anyway, that, let's put that to bed because it's fucking Nobody's dumb. captains, nobody's swabby. Back to the Sizzle Club. Back to the Sizzle Club, which has now become the inmost cave. Now that we're back to the Sizzle Club. Fantastic. Also might just be an old Sizzler restaurant that they took (laughs) the R off of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We're back at the club. We're going to hit feminism from this angle now. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We're putting everything. We're solving all the problems. I actually... I'm going to solve one of the problems later on. Uh, Great. I'm so glad someone is. So glad someone's going to solve some of these problems. So now we have the Supreme ordeal. I guess it's such (laughs) a fucking fucking weird episode. We don't know who's, I guess we're on Steve's journey or maybe it's Laura's who the fuck knows. Uh, I just don't even care at this point. It's not the big thing. The climax, Steve, Urkel in the date auction is happening now. Steve shows up. He's still awkward as hell. Now he's got a weird voice. Well, here are the improvements. And no suspenders. Yeah, these are the improvements that he's made. A, no suspenders. B, better posture. C, normally wasted pants that he keeps like poofing out. Yes. Like he's like flicking them out. Like, like it's a dance move. Look or at that. Something. This is where my genitals are. <laughs> and then, yeah, as Chelsea mentioned, he sounds like a robot from Quebec. He does. He's got this weird, he's supposed to have tried to lower his voice in speech therapy, but instead he's developed this weird, like, pseudo French accent. Do his pants have pleats? A bit. Of course. Because it's the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That's not out of the ordinary. It's just the fact that he keeps. Poofing them out. Poofing them out. Poofing the pleats. Poofing the pleats. So he turns up. Please. He talks about the improvements he has made. No one is in, is in any way encouraging. Laura tries to get people to bid on him. She takes it down to $5. No one bids on him. And he says, you know what? I'll go. Oh, when she when she lowers it to, to $5 as a last act of desperation, Steve points his ass at the audience. Like, maybe this will do it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second, I've got one secret weapon. My khaki ass. And your ass is not involved in this. You know, like, I know. they're going to kiss your mouth. This is also, as the men have come out on stage, they've come out and been like, I'm this, I'm the prince of love. I'm, you know, they try to like talk themselves up. And I want to be like, this, this is a cut and dried transaction. Your lips are the only thing. Yeah. They don't have to care about your personality. Uh, they don't have to care about any mm-hmm. of it. That's why this is so dehumanizing. Steve, you would have done better to walk out here and not say anything yeah. and just stand still and hope people thought, well, that's the that's, you know, the 1.0 version of Stefan Arkell. So <laughs> Sure. You know. Maybe just maybe just Maybe one of the girls that bid on him and didn't win would bid on you. Maybe. Yeah, it's getting maybe put him up last so it's like, well, I didn't kiss anybody. Right. So. There you go. Also, I've found five dollars in my couch cushions <laughs> so I can be bothered to give it to charity. Yeah. She takes it down to five dollars, no one bids on him, and as he turns to go, Laura bids a hundred dollars to make him feel better. She's like, That's my friend. He looks so sad in her head. This is all none of this is spoken. Mm. She bids a hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. He comes over to her and they kiss very deeply. And the puppy is asleep. We cut to the crowd. <laughs> we cut to the crowd. The puppy is asleep. Um. <laughs> that sounds like some sort of like saying. Kissed her really hard. And let me just tell you, the puppy was asleep. Puppy was asleep. So they kiss and then they break apart. And then she pulls him back to her for a second kiss. And everyone yeah. in the crowd was like, what? And then they break oh. apart again, and now she's Urkel drunk, and she's got this look on her face. Yeah, like, they both they both orgasm during this. What's kiss, happening? Apparently. And I'm trying to think. 
I mean, I don't know without going back and watching every single episode of this show. They've Please never don't. kissed before, right? Like, he's been after her since the middle of season one when he was mm-hmm. first introduced. Yeah. But I think this is the first time they've ever it actually has to be. kissed. It has to be. So this is all the culmination of, you know, seven and a half seasons of whatever. This is the point of this entire fucking episode. Uh-huh. In addition to giving the audience three times as much Jillian White as they normally have. Sure. Still not enough. Up that Laura has to choose between Steve and Stefan. Yeah. Now she's been dating Stefan, but now she's kissed Steve and obviously they're very close friends. And I watched the first couple seconds of they shoot ducks, don't they? Oh my God. And Steve is dating somebody named uh, Myra. Myra. He's always been dating Myra. I mean, for, for seasons he's been dating Myra. Yeah. And Myra has always been like, there's nothing wrong with Steve. I don't know why everybody likes Stefan. Stefan's a jerk. Mm. Myra's always liked Steve for Steve. Not because he hangs around with Leo. It's fine. It's an old song. She likes me for me. Oh, I know that song. Right. Well, don't look at me like I'm crazy then. <laughs> Just misguided. This whole episode has been leading to this kiss. So mm. Laura has all of season nine to decide who she's going to go out with and eventually marry, actually. Spoiler alert. It's Steve. She's going to choose Steve. If I remember correctly, they get engaged and then he goes to space. And that's where we end the whole thing. And the reason that she, later in the season, she looks into the future with both Steve and Stefan Mm -hmm. and realizes that if she marries Stefan, then he'll eventually revert to the arrogant jerk he used to be when he first appeared and they'll get divorced. And so she chooses Steve. Uh, Stefan shows maturity in accepting their relationship and moves on for his with his life. Fun things you'll never see because they were written for season 10 and then not shot. Myra's going to try to stop Steve and Laura's wedding. Mm-hmm. Stefan is going to stop Myra from stopping the wedding. And then he will get sick and start dying. Steve will trace what's happening back to the clone machine and find out that the machine doesn't make permanent clones. <laughs> Whoops. And with the rest of the Winslows and Steve by his side, Stefan says farewell and then disappears. <laughs> Wait for it. Wait for it. Stefan's suave and cool personality merges back into no! Steve, giving Steve Urkel a mature appearance and deeper voice. Oh my Fucking God. So they were going to mind meld in the end of season 10. So all the best qualities of Steve and all of the like hotness of Stefan would be merged back into one person. And that's what who Laura would by this point be married. Sure, to. sure, sure. So what they do is they give Laura. She makes the the just and, you know, moral decision to go after the nice guy, but only after she's seen the consequences of both actions yeah, and yeah, then yeah. it turns out bad for her. Yep. They've set up a thing where she makes the right choice, but then they take away all of her accountability. And then in the end, they make it so that wasn't a choice at all because now she has the best of both worlds anyway. Andy, are you suggesting that a woman who put together an auction of human affection and flesh does not have the strongest moral compass in the entire universe. Uh, I don't think the writers have the strongest <laughs> moral. A glinty poop. <laughs> yeah, and then there's a tag where I was excited about this tag though because it's all it's dog based. It's puppy based. Um, but in the tag, Greta, Eddie's girlfriend, and Eddie are sitting at a table drinking mm. and laughing, and she says, "Oh, I'm so glad you didn't kiss Myrtle," and he says, "I'm glad too." Myrtle, remember, is the stalker, which mm-hmm. is Jillil White and Drag, yep. and. Greta says, how did you get rid of her? And then we cut to Myrtle standing on a chair, terrified of the world's cutest beagle puppy, screaming, down, Cujo, down! And he's coming after me. And he's looking up my skirt. Yeah. Stick to one thing. (laughs) He's either rabbit or he's a sexual... You know, right. alpha predator. (laughs) The dog, but they keep cutting back to this dog, which is the cutest the cutest cute. puppy. It's a cute dog. So um, I actually, uh, the tag was perhaps my favorite part of this episode, in fact. I mean, just because w- I kept getting way to, see that to dog. go. It's tough to find a high watermark when everything's oh, God underwater. God in heaven. God in heaven. All right, so let's let's have a let's have the let's, amount of research I had to do to just understand what was happening in this episode of this. That's sitcom. that's research enough. Oh my god! I no, and I didn't even I couldn't I couldn't think of anything to research. Well, the only thing I could think of was the wage disparity thing, and you did it, which was the, even the B plot, you yeah. know, B, <laughs> the afterthought, <laughs> the afterthought plot, <laughs> the afterplot, the afterplot. So listen, uh, I like insulting people. That's kind of my thing. 
And it always makes me feel bad that in this new day and age, there aren't equal insults for everyone. It's often very lamented Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that there are offensive terms and insults for everyone except for cis uh, white men. So, are you about to invent one? I am. Yay! So, I, but let me walk you through my let me walk you through my process here. Oh, please. Uh, thank you. And thank you for your your kind attention, listeners. The word moist, it's a term that most of us can agree is just awful sounding. Nobody likes it. It brings up gross connotation and the way the sounds are, are arranged is just sexual slang and body parts uh, terminology that makes everyone feel likewise uncomfortable. Fanny, rear, and wiener, especially, they might not sound too terrible on their own, especially when you Is. To really make it a slam dunk, though, Chelsea, okay. we need to add a historic and social connotation as well. I promise you, speaking of the cis white man, if you want to make me uncomfortable, there's two terms to do it. Hunk and buns. <laughs> People! <laughs> I promise you, women, other people... Anyone who is not a cis white male, if I am walking down the street minding my own business and you say that I'm a hunk or describe my buns, I will be deeply uncomfortable and ashamed and grossed out. Did you write this all out before I said hunky buns? Yes. <laughs> this is all, this was all here, man. And then you picked it up almost instinctively. You were like, wow, that makes you really uncomfortable. <laughs> felt good, right? Yeah, felt yeah, yeah. Like, powerful. yeah, it felt awesome. Great. Now gender inequality is solved. Everybody listening, except for cis white men, you have to start using these terms all the time. You need to start catcalling dudes with hunks and buns terminology. You can't just be like, here's the phrase, great, we're all settled. I'm saying that. Until that becomes a thing that I'm like, oh, I hope those construction ladies don't say <laughs> The sky is falling, people, and no one's listening to me. <laughs> I only- haven't read that entire story, but I think I understand. If only all of those handmaids had known about hunky buns. <laughs> I hope that someday Hulu will put out an original series <laughs> called The Hunky Buns Tale. I hope we get there. Retribution. Where men walk around with assless chaps in shame. <laughs> and women are just smacking those hunky buns Blessed at be. will with no repercussions. Blessed be the fruit of the loom. Okay. Um, we have an hour and 12 minutes. Yeah, no, we, we, this is over. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we got to talk about what, what we want to, who we want to hug and what we want to. What we learned. Uh, that puppy, the beagle. I want the to hug that puppy, be- of course. We can't do that, though. We've already we've already done the thing that we can't do puppies. It was your rule. Oh, I want to hug Harriet because she got a fucking raise. How about that? She's providing for her family. She's a boss bitch, and she comes home and deals with her fucking husband being an emasculated, butthurt idiot. Sounds like personal <laughs> personal experience. So no. Chelsea- Miles, if I came home and I was like, hey, I made a bunch more money, what would you say? Going to Best Buy. Yep. There you go. That's the proper response. Yeah, absolutely. Let's blow it together. I can't wait to spend that shit. What did we learn? I learned a lot about the world of season nine sci-fi family matters that I didn't realize. But in terms of things applicable to my actual life, I didn't really learn anything. No, I guess I I learned that it doesn't matter what kind of human auction it is not great yeah wow, what bring a out fucking, the worst in everybody what a tough lesson I'll yeah really it need to seems like a life. no-brainer and yet this is the second human auction episode we've covered and it's not in, uh, it's probably not the last 40 episodes yep. yeah if you have opinions uh that you'd like to share with us about the episode we just talked about about uh anybody's genius plan to uh end sexism forever or anything else if you have a suggestion for us just want to drop a line and say hey why don't you email us hugging and learning podcast at gmail.com we look forward to hearing from you next week oh next week we're gonna be headed back to florida for another episode of the golden girls which you know we love to talk about those golden girls thank you in advance for being a friend <laughs> we'll see you next time bring snacks bye 
you for listening to Hugging and Learning. If you want to visit us online, our website is huggingandlearning.com, where you can find links to all the articles we talked about today, as well as our post office box, where you can mail us snacks. Subscribe to our podcast, rate and review, and tell your friends about us. If you want to drop us a line, you can email us at huggingandlearningpodcast at gmail.com. You can tell us about the experiences you've had with things we talked about. Or you can send us suggestions on which episodes we should do next. Our podcast is produced by Miles Pulaski, who also wrote our theme music. I'm Andrew. And I'm Chelsea. See you next time. Bring snacks!